Welcome to a podcast for all. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. This is episode 11 on season one. One. O-N-E. All capital letters, Jeff. Yep, and now we have two ones for 11. Um, I didn't think that we would make it this far in this season, and look at, we're here, man. You said that like two episodes ago, it's like you're still doubting our capabilities. I'm not doubting our capabilities. I'm just very, very happy that people are still digging it. Well... Uh, we debuted Hate Train Mail last week, and this week there's no hate mail. It's all good mail. Oh, well, that's nice. So can you think of a song for the good mail segment? Ooh. Cue Jeopardy music, and yeah, no, that, I don't know. That's a no. I mean, Metallica's not really in the business of writing happy music. They're a metal band. No good songs. No happy smiley face emoji songs. Yeah, no. Uh, right before we signed on, I was looking on Metallica.com. Dude, Hawaiian shirts for you know, sale. I saw that right before we logged on, and I don't know how I feel about that. I'm indifferent because part of me really wants one just because Hawaiian shirts are badass, but I don't know. Well, since I'm a Floridian now, I think I need at least one of them. Yeah, I mean, since you live by the beach, you definitely need to have something bright i could rock that i think the bright one the blue and yellow one if you look closely the the pile of bones and skulls has a damage ink kind of feel to it yeah i could see that i think we need one of those why don't we all get one and then all four of us will wear them on stage for a show that reminds me of some kind of monster when they had hawaiian day yeah except lars didn't get the uh didn't get the memo yeah he was super (laughs) salty about not having a Hawaiian shirt, which, I mean, I would be too. I think Phil and Bob Rock even were rocking them. Yeah, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a serious situation when Phil takes off the uh, Bill Cosby sweater and gets he breaks character for a minute. Hey, man, don't get fucking scared. <laughs> don't get fucking scared, man. Um, we have an actual guest tonight. Last week we did and updates for all. So back to our list of guests that want to be on the show tonight. I do want to talk about last night's Metallica Monday show, but it's going to be hard not to talk about this for 45 minutes. Yeah, it was quite the show. Uh, I watched it this morning, and man, that footage was something else. Just the raw intensity of, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, Seattle, Binge and Purge will always be my favorite. We've discussed this many times, but seeing it unedited and just raw like that, man. This was basically Seattle 89 just from on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fact that it had the soundboard quality, I mean, it sounded really good. We could easily break out and do another episode, but what'd you think of the horse? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) (laughs) no words, no comment. Did you notice Kermit the Frog? Yes, I did. <laughs> you can tell it's the end of the tour when you've got that stuff going on during the Justice Tour. Yeah, I mean, you could tell watching. They looked, I mean, there's still a lot of energy, but you could tell there was just certain things that they didn't give a shit at that point. You know, they're just like, well, last show, let's have a good time. The energy, the head banging, the hair mills, and just still trying to prove themselves attitude. It just bleeds from them on that show. It's unbelievable, that energy. 
Absolutely. I agree 100%. You know, hearing Jason and how intense he is with his, his screaming on that tour and especially in that show, you can just tell that he was taking everything he had and just throwing it into every ounce of that show. I mean, it's incredible. I was absolutely, absolutely in heaven watching it. And the cool thing is when you look in the crowd, no fucking iPhones or cameras being held by anyone. Nope. That was, that was the good old days where lighters went up in the air. The good days of, uh, Blood, sweat, and beers, uh, mullets, hot chicks, hot chicks <laughs> with perms, tank tops. <laughs> Closing with bread fan. Did you notice the last two songs were motor and bread fan? How fitting is that after our last four weeks talking about this? Yeah, those songs have been a staple to this season. That's for sure. It's been awesome. Wish we could go back to those days. Especially now that we got the news that Aftershock in Sacramento later this fall is has it been canceled, but it's been postponed. Yeah, they're all postponed. Well, they're all wet. Mom, my sandwich is all wet. Yeah, they're all wet. But... Oh, God. The dog got into the picnic basket. <laughs> um, what else do you want to chat about? How's the new, uh, how's the house going? Oh, uh, well, we haven't moved in yet, but... We, we've got the house and, uh, hopefully, hopefully, excuse me, I can't talk. Stuttering Jeff. Yep. I've, I've taken a page right out of your book. (laughs) No, I, um, we are hoping that we can move in within the next few weeks. We've already started packing and yeah, hopefully we can do this sooner than later. Don't pack the headphones and the microphone away just yet. Oh no, that stuff stays out. We gotta, we gotta keep this rolling, especially for the people in Ireland. Uh, Ireland, we made a post a couple days ago, 18% of our listening audience or subscribers are from the beautiful rock and roll country of Ireland. That's amazing. That is so cool. Do you think they have jars with whiskey? I sure hope so. You know, if for the people that are listening to this from Ireland, please write in if you'd like to be on the show. We'd love to have someone international, you know, Ireland, that would be amazing. I can't wait. What When we can see the download and the episode numbers and 18%, percent that made a lot of sense. When 18% is from Ireland, I want to talk to you soon. So, and podcastforall at gmail.com, where you, the fan, drive the discussion, decide the topics. You ready for our guest tonight? I'm ready, man. Drum roll. I am more than ready. Here comes the shortest straw drum roll. Get this. He hosts a podcast. So is he a guest or is he like our third co-host? Uh, you know, I, I I think tonight we're going to invite him in as another co-host. I think that's fair. The other cool fact, he hosts a music podcast to the one and only Billy Joel. Oh, really? I heard that guy plays piano. I heard he's a man, too. Yeah, a piano man. Ha <laughs> didn't. And something about the good die young. I think I'm the only one that's ever heard that song. Mm, yeah, I, I've never heard of that one. <laughs> well, without further ado, from Longview, Washington, I believe that's closer to Portland than Seattle. Here he is, Mr. Michael Grovner from Glass Houses Podcast. What's up, Michael? What's happening, guys? How you doing? We are doing fabulous. Uh, 
Billy Joel and Metallica. Can you imagine that in, on a stadium tour? I think it'd be great. I think, you know, I think uh, Billy did a, a festival or two with Van Halen not too long ago back over in Australia. So uh, I, I would love to see it. You know, the U.S. doesn't tend to do festivals that have different lineups. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you get it more more frequently in Europe and Australia and things like that. But I think it'd be great to see something like that for sure. Billy Joel could play the intro to Unforgiven 3. It'd be great. See, there you go. Ding, 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 ding. Yep, no need for a tape for that one. Only the good die young. Ah. That's right. I can hear it already. <laughs> so, Michael, uh, Billy Joel or Metallica, are they even for you, or one peaks above the other? You know, it's tricky. Um, Billy is my first. My first love musically, for sure. Billy and his classic band. Okay. But... Billy hasn't put out any new music in almost 30 years. Well, he's busy counting all those dollar bills, probably. That's right. Yeah, let's be real. I don't think he needs to put out any. He's like the police where, you know, just put out enough music and then just let people listen to it for the rest of forever. That's it. Yeah, I mean, his his recording career was just over 20 years. That's it. What was his last uh, release? What was the date? 1993, River of Dreams. Oh. 93 and he's still playing stadiums it's incredible so think of a metallica two years into their black album going yeah yeah we're done we're just gonna play in front of sixty thousand whatever we want yeah how long they could do it it's incredible yeah yeah hopefully they wouldn't have uh shrunk down to the small club level without not you know the metal scene in is a little bit different you know i feel like you know what billy joel did you know, it's obviously hits a little bit more of a mainstream audience, but right, yeah, that's amazing that he's had such longevity and hasn't put out music in that long. I was not aware of that. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. He he had the same band for a number of years, and in the late eighties, there was a lot of splitting up and all that. And then he did he did two albums after the the core band split up, Stormfront, and then River of Dreams, and then from there on out, it was just live shows. My favorite song is Alexa. Oh, Down Easter Alexa. That's a great tune. I just like to call it Alexa. I dated a hot chick named Alexa, so it's fitting. It is. There you go. <laughs> as hot as they come. Hotter, hotter than jumping the fire jet. <laughs> That's pretty hot. <laughs> Smoking hot. <laughs> so how long have you been doing the podcast, Michael? So we launched it back in February of this year. So we do, yeah, so we do every other week, um, which is about the bandwidth that I can handle these days. Um, And we, uh, it's been great, you know, reception uh, for us has been incredible. Um, We've, there's a great, great Billy Joel fan community out there. And to our knowledge, there wasn't any other Billy podcast going mm-hmm. on you know which has been so that was that was a big reason you know i decided to kind of jump into it i've been thinking about it for a while and um just decided to give it a go early this year and with billy there's a whole lot of different angles that we're running with so we're it's non-linear for us so say one one year we're gonna talk you know one week we're gonna talk about an album and then maybe the next year is gonna be um, you know, the next episode is going to be maybe a tour or a band member. Sure. So we kind of, we kind of ping pong all around to kind of keep it 
to keep it uh, varied. I see you've had a guest or you're expecting a guest, like even as musicians, you're going to have his drummer on. Yeah, we've had a few guests so far. So the, the first episode of guests we had was um, we did an episode about Billy's former bass player, Doug Stegmeyer, who was with him from mm-hmm. 74 to 88. He passed away in the nineties. Um, we did an episode about him. And on that episode we had um, his sister on. And we also had, um, a guy named Mike Del Judas, who is Billy's current rhythm guitar player. Sure. But also worked with Doug in the 90s, producing his original music and all of that. And then we had a guy named Malcolm Gold on that episode as well, who was the bass player for the touring company for Moving Out, the Broadway show. Yeah. And then also plays in, there's a band called the Lords of 52nd Street, which is basically the three guys from Billy's core lineup, uh, Liberty DeVito, the drummer, Richie Kanata, the sax player, and Russell Javers, who was the guitar player. He's the bass player in the band that they've got now. So we had the three of them on all talking about, you know, their connection to Doug. All three of them on at the same time. So we did three different segments. Actually, two different uh, segments we had. Uh, Mike and Malcolm, we got them in a room together in New York just before everything hit um, in February. And then um, Doug's sister we spoke with on the phone. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very cool. And then actually this week, uh, this past week, we did have Liberty DeVito on, Billy's former drummer. He just put out a new book. So cool. Yeah. You've had all these people on and you started in February. It's pretty, pretty wild. I, uh. Very fortunate and Liberty, fortunately, I've known for years. So it was just a, a phone call. And with the timing of his book, he was happy to do it. So it was it was a real treat. Jeff, that'd be about the equivalent in five months of us starting this, having Dave Mustaine, Ron McGovney, and Jason Newstead on the show. Yeah, pretty much. That is absolutely <laughs> amazing, man. Good for you, Michael. That's impressive. Thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a treat, you know. The We've gotten some other folks interested, which has been fantastic, but I don't want to do it all too quickly. So we're trying to kind of the Liberty, the Liberty thing, the timing, his book just came out this month. So sure. Very timely, but like, I want to kind of spread some of those out a little bit. So we don't have, you know, anyone I can get on right away and then nothing for two years. <laughs> yeah. I understand. You're having Billy on. You just can't tell us. Exactly. <laughs> Be in a couple of weeks. I'll look for it. I'll let you know. <laughs> Jeff, how many Billy Joel songs do you know? Honestly, um, off the top of my head, as far as the names of them go, I don't really know that many. Uh, I but know if you if, heard them. I've heard so many of them. I mean, I listened to Billy Joel growing up. I just, Billy Joel for me was just kind of like Elton John was someone that I, you know, I really liked their music, but it was never to the point where I knew the names of all the songs. But if I hear his music, I definitely know it's him. That's for sure. Yeah. That, that goes. Oh, go ahead, Michael. Yeah. There's probably a couple dozen songs where you'd be like, Oh yeah, I know that one, but you don't time necessarily to him. But as soon as you heard it, you probably know it. Yeah. Well, it's funny when I talked to coworkers and they're always like, Shane, I don't know that many Metallica songs. I said, I bet you'd know 15 to 20 right now. Yeah. And they don't know the titles, but as soon as you play them or hum them or sing one line, they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yep, 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 heard that one. That's how it is when it's, when you have music that's that timeless, I mean, you don't necessarily need to know the names of all the songs. You hear it and you just automatically know who it is. Yeah, and Metallica is absolutely one of those bands. I mean, they're just part of the fabric of just 
society in general. So, I mean, you, if, if you've ever heard rock radio in the last 30 years, you, like you said, you've heard 15 songs easy. Oh God. Yeah. Or just on TV or movies, just what he's sports games. Oh um, yeah. Kidding me. How old is he now? Billy is 70. I was going to say he's got to be close to 70. And all those guys, the old, you know, the, the old band I say, but they're all about, about that age. And it's funny. I've seen Liberty with the Lords of 52nd street, the band that they're doing now. And he still plays like he did when he was 30. He still is just killing Amazing. those. Drums. It's insane. Yeah. 70 year old rocking a stadium, Jeff. Yep. That's what real talent brings you because let's face it back in the day, you had to have the talent to have the longevity and to make it in the music career because you didn't have all of the digital stuff they have now for editing and, you know, doing stuff to make you sound perfect. You had to do yep. it. You had to you had to be good. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of that Pantera video. I think it's on Pantera three when he goes, we're not going to have lasers. We're not going to have dragons jumping out of the fucking PA <laughs> right. yep, from uh, vulgar videos. I think that's what it is. I just, just popped in my head. Oh, uh, yep. Good times. Yeah, you had to know your shit. You know, you there was no way around it. Absolutely. And and that's why I mean <laughs> <laughs> I think Dragon's Jerry... jumping out of the PA. That's the best line ever from Phil. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know someone's done it. Right. Oh god, yeah, that's classic Iron Maiden shit there. Right, exactly. God, leave, it, leave it to Shane to get focused on the dragons. Oh, just <laughs> just the way Phil says that is just classic. Yeah. His delivery and everything he says is <laughs> it's perfect. We're not gonna fucking blow nothing up. We're not gonna fucking have lasers. We're not gonna have fucking dragons jumping out of the PA. Oh so sorry, what were we talking about? Pantera? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love Pantera. Oh yeah. Oh, so when did you get hooked on uh, the Mighty Metallica, Mr. Michael? So I'd say I'd have my cousin Rob uh, to thank for that. Rob uh, passed away years ago, but he was very much into the 80s underground scene of mm-hmm. Metallica, Anthrax, all those bands, and big into tra- tape trading and things and vinyl back in the early, mid-80s. And so I would always see the name around when I would go over to their house. Um, I remember the jumping the fire picture disc hanging on his wall. And, you know, I I remember hearing a lot of these songs as a kid, but I just wasn't there yet. I didn't quite get it. Didn't, didn't quite grasp it. You know, at the time I was still very much, you know, eighties pop radio kind of guy. And, you know, that's what I listened to a lot as a kid, but it was interesting, but I didn't lock onto it probably until the black album came out. Not a bad era. Yeah, so it came out in 91 and I was tw- I was turning 12. So that's when I was getting into, you know, middle school and then and then late, you know, soon after high school and Yeah, we're about the we're about the same age. Yeah, yeah. So I was starting to finally kind of expand what I was listening to on a regular basis. So it wasn't necessarily Billy Joel 24/7 by the time I was getting into middle school. So I was starting to discover Metallica a little more and and when that album came out um, I, I just remember being so impressed with how big it sounded. Yeah. Thank you, Bob Rock. Yeah, those songs just jumped like they stood out in front of everything else that was played around it on the radio. 
And the funny thing about that is, is I remember when Dr. Feelgood came out and I compared the Feelgood sound to Girls, Girls, Girls was before that. Yep. It's like two different experiences. Oh, yeah. And, and if, yeah, if you listen to Girls, Girls, Girls on its own without anything else around it, it sounds good. Nothing That's a great sounding it. album, yeah. But yeah, that, like you said, Dr. Feelgood and the, the title track, especially just that, that, that that kick drum that groove just just kills you yeah it's like okay uh the drummer and bassist are totally different than the last record what happened yeah yeah it's just, just that live <laughs> arena punch you thick here we are sound that's what i loved about bon jovi's album keep the faith as well because i came out right around the same time as the that's black right. album and that right. album if you listen to it side by side with a black album there are so many similarities in those two albums and the way they're mixed yeah what's what's great though is you know those albums sound huge without feeling overproduced yep true yeah they sound huge but natural at the same time right as opposed i mean you know so many of the other 80s rock records that came out you know you had the the reverb that didn't even sound like it was on this planet you know and just all these different things going on that just made it sound so created in the studio when if you take like it out, like twi- Twisted Sister albums, they have that big, huge reverbed out drum sound. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, the Black Album especially was certainly a very much a studio record, but it still sounds live and it still sounds real. Yeah, Bob definitely found a way to capture what they were doing live and bring that into the studio. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, and so that's that's what really really grabbed me. I remember me and a, me and some friends listening to the cassette up in the treehouse, and <laughs> you know, nice. Yeah. So as you were transitioning from you know like the Billy Joel type you know rock and roll, and you said like the eighties kind of like pop rock and whatnot. As you were transitioning into metal music, was Metallica that band that transitioned you, or was there some other bands that kind of helped pave the way as well into that direction? Yeah, I'd say Metallica was heads above the others. What drew me in? Um, I also loved um, the ninety, the late eighties, early nineties Megadeth stuff, especially you know the, their classic lineup with Friedman and Menza. Absolutely, because the, the, those records they did together were just fantastic. Um, and the um, the first two major label Pantera records really got me as well. Cowboys and vulgar. Those are just incredible records front to back to me. I love the fact that you said major label. Cause a lot of times, obviously we all know people think that Cowboys is their first album, which I, I loved, I loved projects in the jungle and power metal. Like I think those albums are great, but obviously yeah. the sound that they discovered, you know, with Cowboys and on, that was obviously what defined who they were. Yeah, they found they really found what they were by the time they got to Cowboys and just power metal. They look like Bon Jovi. Oh yeah, and even some of the songs they sound like it, and it's amazing. Amazing. I'm pretty sure power metal was the one that was right before Cowboys, and it's just I'm trying to think how how you even do what they did. How do you go from playing hair metal to just writing like one of the best thrash metal albums of all time? It's it's crazy. It's such a left turn. You know, everyone always talked about Metallica's change from Justice to Black to the Load era. Um, that to me felt normal, natural, but the Pantera 
transition to uh, Cowboys to me was a big left turn. That was drastic in my opinion, for sure. Well, and you could definitely hear a lot of Metallica influence on that first record. Like if you listen to the song heresy, I don't care what anyone says to this day. That song sounds like it belongs on injustice for all. Oh yeah. Just the, the, the riffing, the way it's put together. I mean, everything about that song from day one, I always was like, yep, they were listening to justice when they wrote that. Yeah. I could totally hear that. That's a good call. Jeff, you got to remember that death magnetic went right into Lulu. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see lulu's its own beast you know it's like that was an experiment with a friend good answer <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll accept great answer that. we'll accept that ding 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's better than anything we've had to say about it yeah yeah that's about as good as i got with it <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's all i got i haven't heard it probably in 10 years or not too long after it came out i don't think Right. I listened to it maybe once and that was yeah. one too many times. Yeah. I think, you know, it, 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 it feels like, you know, it's, it's just all these jams that Lou decided to just talk over. Yeah. It's, it has that spoken word feel. I mean, Shane and I've discussed this. We both agree that overall the album is pretty just out there but there are some good riffs there's some good parts of you know certain songs so i mean it's not entirely garbage or anything like that it's just weird still amazing that we're on 11 episodes and i believe almost every episode lulu or saint anger has been a discussion those are it's great because they're controversial and it's i love hearing other people's take on them that's exactly well because so many people you know it's 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 super different I, that's, that's, what's interesting. I mean, the first four albums, I think universally everyone has the same opinion about. Yep. I've never, I really haven't heard too much different from what a lot of people feel about that. But as you get into the nineties and, but especially with St. Anger and Lulu, it's, I've heard people say they love so many things about St. Anger and Mm -hmm. other people say it's unlistenable. It runs the gamut. And that's what, is such a great discussion about those albums is because when you find that person that either loves singing or loves Lulu, it's like, hold on, pump the brakes, explain why would you listen to Lulu, you know, or why would you listen to singing or whatever it is? Cause yeah, I mean, like you said, we all agree that the first four albums, every single song, I mean, they're amazing front to back. Yeah. I need a Lulu sunshade. Now that I have a St. Anger sunshade, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. You need to get it for your back window. Just the album with that half mannequin would be a great sunshade. Lulu in the back, St. Anger in the front. <laughs> most controversial car ever. You have world's most controversial Metallica fan. And then I, and then for the four doors, I could use the four faces. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. All right, enough street anger, Lulu, uh, praying. What am I trying to say here? Enough St. Anger, Lulu. Michael, when's the first time you saw the band live? It's going to be going back to 1997. I think I've nice. got the date here. Yeah. So my first February 22nd, it was the Palace of Auburn Hills in Michigan. Um, cunning stunt stage. Cunning stunt tour. Yeah. And, you know, this was before, you know, like they couldn't pull off that stage accident scene. No. It was before the internet. Yeah. No one knew what was going on. Everyone's like, everyone. Seriously, okay, there's some guy running across the stage on fire, people yeah. falling from the trusses. 
there was a, a minute where everyone was legitimately confused as to what was happening for sure. I was in junior high and saw that tour. What what day was in February? 22nd. It's funny. I saw that like 25 days before you in, uh, in Minneapolis. I was in junior high and I thought, holy shit, this is real. Yeah. I thought it was a repeat of, you know, 1992 in Montreal and up oh, the band's over. Right. It's like, wow, that was impressive. It's like, what are they going to do tomorrow? You know? <laughs> yeah. They're in Ames, Iowa tomorrow. I think it's canceled. Yeah, exactly. You know, one memory of it I have too is, which is something long gone, is waiting in line in the middle of winter for tickets. Yeah. Jeff and I have discussed that before in Minneapolis. You we had to go to Dayton's or JC Penney's on a Saturday morning when tickets went on sale at like nine or 10 in the morning. Yep. You'd be lining up at six or seven. And this is four or five months before the tour even came to town. You're lining up in line just to get a freaking ticket. Yeah. And then lining up again to get inside for that general admission seat. Yep. yep. The first, the, um, the record, the big record chain in Michigan was Harmony House. Um, and that's where most of the tickets I bought were, I remember being pretty early in line and wanted to get floor, but that tour, you know, the stage was so big. There was a lot less tickets sold on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I remember. Was Corrosion of Conformity the opener? COC. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. He wanted to be on the floor so he could have Lars spit some beer in his face. That's right. That's all I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember um, the guy in front of me waiting for the tickets, was taking his sweet time deciding what seats he wanted. Hurry the fuck up. Exactly. And by the time it was my turn, floor was gone. Oh, man. Yeah. Were you able to at least still get lower level, though? Oh, yeah. I was lower level, only probably 10 rows or so up. So with the stage, it was still, it was actually probably a better vantage point. Perfect view. Yeah, yeah. So you could really see everything that was happening on stage A and stage B and all that shit. So it was it was still a you know a great seat. Um, but yeah, that was my uh, that was my first Metallica show. Not my first show ever, but first Metallica for sure. So at this point, you know, in your Metallica career, we'll call it. You said yeah. that you obviously started cutting your teeth on the early albums, but then really got into it towards the Black album. So then few years later you go in the museum loads out you know reload is you know on its way and um at that point what do you how did you feel about their music and how it changed were when you went to see that show were you expecting to hear like more of the old stuff or like were you accepting of how they transitioned from the black album and then into load and whatnot well i i really dug load out of the gate i thought it was a great record still do still love it oh, um, i agree so that was, I was happy to hear a ton off that record. And so it was really, um, yeah, it was, you know, I, I definitely wanted to hear some old stuff. I, I, I think being my first show, I was just happy to hear anything. Right. You know what I mean? Um, Did you get wasting my hate that night? Oh, I think we got a ton from load. I, I think we might have. I'm going to look it up here. They'd throw wasting in like. They're playing five nights a week. They throw it in maybe once a week. I love the set list from that era. I mean, playing them live, you can definitely tell it's a little bit slower, uh, you know, right. watching the crowd react to it. But, man, I just, I love that era. I love Load and Reload. 
That's because Jeff loves the kill ride medley. Heck yeah, with that <laughs> halftime four horsemen. So heavy. They should just re-record it a 2020 version where they where they put that part back into it. Oh yeah. So what we got from Load on that show, we got um we got Ain't My Bitch, Hero of the Day, King Nothing, Wasting My Hate, we did get. Yeah. Yep, we got Sleeps, we got um I think that's it from Load. Oh, we also got a, an appearance by Ted Nugent. Oh, Nugent showed up. <laughs> Stranglehold. No oh, shit. Dude, that is awesome. Where at in the set was that, Michael? That was Looks like song 15, so in between Fade to Black and Seek. Wow. So it wasn't even an encore. At some point, we're going to get ourselves a little strangle jam going. Picture Nuge on the Cunning Stunts uh, Poor Touring Me stage. That's cool. That's really cool. See, this is why I wish cell phones existed back then, only so that we had footage of stuff like that. Now, Michael, the real question is... The last two songs of the night, were they Evil and Motor or were they Bread Fan and Overkill? We got Evil and Motor. Ah, oh. Yeah, but you got to see the Wavecaster then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. My favorite guitar of that era. I was going to fill it with my own urine. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah. But I couldn't find a way to preserve the urine. You know, I was afraid it was going to get stale. Yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. Presented as an art piece. I was going to fill it up with my own urine. And present it as some sort of, like, you know, art piece, you know? But then I just uh, I couldn't figure out how to, like, preserve the urine because, you know, it's stale. Well, you got Wasting My Hate and Stranglehold. That's that's decent. Yeah, man, it was, it was a great show. They opened with So What and then right into que- Creep. Um, yeah, it was, was it what? So what creep and then sad, I think was what they were doing on that tour. Mm-hmm. Sad and then into bitch and then hero and King. So three offload, right? Uh, right in a row. Every time I think of sad from that area, he's using the black diamond plate explorer, Jeff. Yeah. Yep. Some cool guitars. I mean, the, that, that Kirk guitar you're talking about, that was a little stupid, but, uh, <laughs> James had some cool guitars, especially on this run. Oh God. Yeah. And I always love Lars's drum kit on that tour. I love the silver kit. The silver sparkle. Yeah, yeah. Because it's got a splash and a ride. Right. So, Michael, after 97. Yep. Well, how many times have you seen them total? So, total, we're at 12. Nice. Yeah. And that was in Detroit. You're from Detroit, and then you moved west? Yeah, so I'm from Michigan originally, so I lived in the Detroit area until uh, 2000 when I moved to Florida for school. Um, I was in Orlando for a couple of years okay. and then I got a job at a record company and moved to Atlanta where I spent another couple of years. And then, uh, from there 
I was a nomad touring with a couple bands for a while. And then I landed back in Michigan when I met, met my wife and we were there until five years ago. And then we moved out to the Northwest. Very cool. She a metalhead or she could care less. Um, she digs them, you know, she's, um, I think she's gotten more of an appreciation for them, um, through me for sure. Um, but she's definitely a big music fan. Have you taken her to see Metallica yet? Yeah, she went with me, uh, twice once on the world magnetic tour and then Orion 2013. Nice. That's quite the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Orion was great because it was in our backyard. It was literally a 25 minute drive from the house. Right. So that was, that was perfect. That was a great weekend. I was there as well. So does she say, turn off the creeping death and get the piano man on. (laughs) Well, it's funny because we actually are, are, we connected over nineties rock stuff like nineties alternative. Um, Cool. Like we were both really into bands like, um, like the Marvelous Three and Tonic and Better Than Ezra and the Verve Pipe and Till the Wet Sprocket and those bands. Better Than Ezra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owie, owie, owie. It was right. good. So that was how we, we connected, you know, initially. So those were all the bands that we, we liked a lot together. Um, and then, um, yeah, she, you know, she digs Billy a lot and we've seen him a ton together, but, um, I don't think she had seen Metallica or was really into them too much until we met, even though she, she knew how good they were. She digging Billy over Metallica though. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to say. I think she, I think she knows more of Billy's stuff. I think I'd say she probably would gravitate toward him a little more if I had to be, if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's because she's a big shot. (laughs) That's right. I'm just killing these Billy references, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So Metallica 12 times, Michael, how many times, uh, seeing BJ? I'd say about two dozen. Wow. About 24 times. Wow. Yeah. That is first, impressive. First time was 1990. Same venue as I saw Metallica. 10 years old. That's impressive when his tickets are probably over 200 bucks. I know. They're insane now. I worked with a couple guys in the band for a few years and that helped. <laughs> you know, I can imagine. But yeah. These days, it's always who are, you know. That's right. But these days, yeah, man, tickets are like. 200 bucks. I think the face value on the first show I saw was like 2250. It's funny you bring that up. The uh the load tour that we saw within 20 days of each other, that ticket stub was 2850. Yeah. And then same for I think I was like 16 17 rows up lower bowl, 2850 yeah. in Minneapolis at the Target Center. Yep, and lower level to see them now is probably anywhere from 90 to a buck 80. Yep. Yep. Twenty eight fifty and the t shirt was fifty. <laughs> yeah, well their t shirt prices haven't really changed much, but like, do you want a load shirt or do you want to see a two hour show? But see now they've got like six custom shirts for every night. <laughs> and and like, guess what? They're selling them all. Yeah, that's exactly. how you sell a t shirt for sixty dollars saying, Hey, this is your only chance to get your the only shirt. Shot. Yep. What other shows in those twelve stick out, Michael? Oh man. Uh, let's see. I'd say the standouts for me, a lot of nineties stuff, honestly. Um, I, cause I saw two nights that, that on the reload tour, poor retouring me, uh, when they were doing the acoustic set in the middle, that was a lot of fun. Amphitheaters. 
amphitheaters. Yeah. Doing the sheds. Um, I was at the new year's Eve 99 show, the millennium show, which oh, was wow. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, the uh, Y2K night. That's right. Yeah. Very cool. That's a memorable show. Still have my shirt. It's the front of it. Um, says Metallica motor city millennium. And then it's, it's a version of scary guy, but instead of the, the crossbones, it's two wrenches. Detroit rock city, motor city. Yep. And there were was seven dust there. Seven dust was the first band. Yeah. It was seven dust kid rock Nugent, then Metallica. A little inside info for our listeners. Jeff and I are huge seven dust fans. Yes, oh, there we are. Great. It's hard to picture Seven Dust in a stadium, though. Yeah, I would really like to see Metallica revisit the idea of bringing Seven Dust out on their next tour because, fuck, to see them at Target or any stadium now. I mean, Mm. don't get me wrong, Seven Dust was amazing back then, but I feel like they're one of those bands and one of the few bands that, in my opinion, they're like fine wine. They just keep getting better as as each album comes out. Well, I've seen... Uh, that same tour, M2K, a couple nights later, they were yeah. in Minneapolis early January, Kid Rock, Seven Dust. Yeah. And they were, it's different seeing Seven Dust in an arena because I've seen them so many times in mostly clubs. I can't yeah. even picture them at the, uh, uh, was that the Silverdome? Silverdome. So you're looking at an 80,000 cap football <laughs> stadium. Yeah, I'm used to seeing them. And Jeff and I saw them in a club three years ago that held 200. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's. My typical. Remember, I saw him at Pickle once. Yeah, that holds one ninety nine. Yeah, literally. (laughs) And I think I think they definitely were over capacity, but yeah, yeah, it's weird that they'll go from playing a venue like Pickle then to selling out venues like the Myth, and now they seem to be on this path uh, upwards again. I feel like they're bigger now than they've been in the last. Decade. In a while, yeah, yeah, agreed, yeah. But I love that band, everything they've ever done. I would love to see them with Metallica because, unfortunately, I did not see them then. I, my first time seeing them wasn't until '04. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, yeah. I missed all the cool stuff in the '90s. <laughs> the '90s had some of my favorite support acts for sure. Mm-hmm. Jerry Cantrell, Days of the New, yep, yeah, Coc, so great, Corn, yep, um. Kid Rock, Seven Dust, yeah, it was a pretty good list. Yeah. Yeah. And the region the reason Nugent was on the bill, he would host a yearly show on New Year's Eve in Detroit, called it the Whiplash Bash. So he always headlined an arena show in Detroit. And I think they just decided to partner together and do something bigger. I would love to go hunting with Ted Nugent and James Hetfield. That would be <laughs> so much fun. Imagine that conversation. Right? Yeah. Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> Sacrifice the fucking buffalo. <laughs> so Nugent had his own radio show in Detroit for years and kind of had his own station built around him. Mm-hmm. Called it the bear, of course. <laughs> Rightfully so. It was it was just Nugent talking, hunting for three hours. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> now he's talking Trump 24-7. Right, right, right. I'm I'm surprised Nugent's not on Trump's uh, uh, team, his cabinet. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. Secretary of 
wildlife you know, secretary of shotguns and kicking ass <laughs> i'm surprised it's not trump nugent 2020 <laughs> yeah. he says all right teddy come on up you're coming up to the big boys now oh those two would be quite the uh quite the conversation off the record yeah yeah i mean if i remember what i remember i think even then he was still you know riding out on stage on like a buffalo or some something some giant animal shooting flaming bow and arrows across the stage and yeah silly it was fun though i saw kiss three or four i'm a big kiss fan i saw him three or four times on the farewell tour well which one their seventh farewell tour this would have been 90 98 and 99 skid row without sebastian nugent and kiss okay that'd be such a great lineup and i'll tell you nugent gave kiss a run for their money he played probably a 60 minute set and it was awesome you know, that's wow. what I've heard. I've never been fortunate enough to see Nugent live, but everyone I've ever talked to says that him and his band put on one of the most kick-ass fucking rock shows ever. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about him politically, personally, whatever, whatever, whatever. But he is a damn good performer. You can't take that away from oh, him. Oh, absolutely. Never been big into his music, but after seeing him live and yeah, like you said, his bandmates in in a sixty minute set absolutely destroyed the place. And his band is great. Kiss was tough to follow him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I actually worked with a band who toured with Kiss in '96, and they said it was the most surreal thing they've ever done in their career. I can only imagine. What band was that? Uh, the Verve Pipe. Oh yeah, that's uh, they did that song. Freshman. Oh, well, Freshman, yeah, but yeah. They, the song for that movie Rockstar too, colorful. Yeah, yeah. the end colorful, of the movie that Mark Wahlberg's singing. That's where I actually first heard of them because I heard that song and I'm, you know, I love that song and you know that wasn't a band I was super familiar with at the time and I think that was what 2000, 2001. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, they're a great band. That's cool that you worked for them. Yeah, I was with them for about ten years and. um you know, they're one of those bands, you know, they're, they're still going. The lead singer is the only original guy left, but yeah. they're, they still sound great. Um, the former drummer and I are super close, so they're, they're still good friends, but yeah, they did like two and a half months, um, with them back in 96, I guess Gene and Paul really dug the band and wanted to bring them out. That's huge. When Gene yeah. and Paul are like, all right, come on out. Yeah, because those are the two. I don't care what anyone says. Those two in the music business in general, they're just intimidating. <laughs> oh yeah, you know Gene Simmons. You know you hear all the stories, and it's like, oh boy, are we gonna get like this nice Gene Simmons, or is he gonna be a douchebag? To yeah. Me? <laughs> you ever heard the band called Econoline Crush? Yes, I have. I may have even seen them back in the day. I before you said Verve Pipe, I thought you were gonna say you worked for Econoline because they opened for Kiss. Would have been 97, 98. I saw him on the Psycho Circus tour. Yeah, okay. One hit wonder, awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, the Verve Pipe said that that was the only tour they never played the freshman. They're like, Smart move. Like, we are not about to get eaten alive. We're going to have to fight throughout this set, no matter what we do. We were no, merely freshmen, then we go into Detroit Rock City. Good luck. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very but, cool. Yeah, they said it was yeah, it was surreal for sure. What other shows, Michael? Metallica wise. Let's see, what do we got? Um so yeah, so that rounds out the nineties, the New Year's Eve show. I, I do remember speaking of Detroit Rock City, that was that was one of the treats. They um 
They played that. Yeah, it, the whole night was about six and a half hours. Seven Dust went on at six p.m. and Metallica finished at twelve thirty. Whoa! Yeah, you got yeah. your money's worth. Yeah, you're not kidding. And it was only like a sixty dollars show, you know, back then. I remember a couple uh, years ago they came out with some footage of Black and from that night, and they just crushed it. Yeah, I freaked out when I saw that. I couldn't believe that the footage exists, and it sounds great. So they they shot it, you know. There's more out there. They're just hiding. Oh yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, look at these Metallica Mondays. Lars has got it all. We all know it's, his it's vault is his probably yeah. just packed full. Yeah, oh, man. Oh, do you imagine? I mean, you know, the guys working with him just to dig through the material and find what's best for these right. boxes. Yeah, the box sets. But when you have footage of last night from Irvine for just a Metallica Monday, I mean that that camcorder footage is priceless. It oh, just the yeah. only the only thing I can think of when I watch it is what else is out there. Right. Where's the camcorder footage from the dressing room and the shower? <laughs> yeah, where's like all of like the early like, you know, dressing room footage from like Ride the Lightning <laughs> and stuff. Like I know there's somewhere out there there is footage of that. It's got to exist. Remember in the year and a half when James says Eight or nine girls washing you down. Not a bad day. <laughs> right. Where's <Exactly>. that footage? <laughs> Eight women washing you down at once, you know. Not a bad feeling. <laughs> when half the crowd is women, that's a sign of making it. That's a sign of making it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 50% chicks in the house, Jeff. <laughs> Motherfuck. 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 Looks like 50-50. That's the sign of making it. There's 50 fucking percent chicks out in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, But that that New Year's show, yeah, what was really cool about it, um, yeah, they went on at 10 and then took a break um, right after Sandman to, like, do, like, the ball drop. They cut to a feet at Times Square. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then they had, like, confetti dropping and, you know, just – people all over the stage throwing out stuff into the crowd and and then um everyone came on stage and all of them did detroit rock city together and then they ended this show with phantom lord that was the ender the closer just imagine that yeah that's quite an encore for a stadium that's, phantom that's got to be the only time that they've ever closed with that song no i hate to break it to it's not Oh, but in a man. stadium? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's... There's a couple Chicago shows on that M2K tour. They they ended with Phantom. Yeah. But 80,000 people, you know a third of them don't know Phantom Lord. No, no. Like, we already played the biggest hits, but here we go. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. And everyone's doing the golf. <laughs> like, uh, right. Is this really the end? Because I'm pretty sure they're going to play something that's a little bit more popular. House lights. Bow down to your Uh-oh. Phantom Lord. Good night. Good night. Yeah. Yeah, crazy way to end it. Well, see, now that we're talking about that, Shane, you know the gears are turning now. So now, at some point, we're going to close with Phantom Lord. No, we're not. Someday we will. (laughs) After watching that Justice show last night, for the rest of our career, we should be ending with Bread Fan. (laughs) With Bread Fan. As long as we're not opening with it, I'll accept it. (laughs) So we'll go Phantom Lord, Bread Fan, good (laughs) night. What a rundown, man. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, so after that show, it was a couple years. Um, I think the last, next time I saw him after that was right after saying anger came out Silverdome. 
No, this, so I had moved to Georgia by this point. So I saw them at Turner field. So it was baseball stadium show Mm -hmm. in July, 2003. Um, and I remember the, I bought, see, here's something else I remember. Lincoln Park Limp Biscuit Tour. Yeah, Lincoln Park Limp Biscuit and Mudvayne. and Mudvayne. Mudvayne, I think. Yeah, yep, yep. And I remember I ended up with buying two or three too many tickets by accident. Whoops. How is that possible, you ask? (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, Mudvayne was at the time on the record label that i worked for and oh cool we, we used to be able to buy tickets through you know our rep to the shows just so we didn't have to deal with waiting in line or doing whatever and so i swore i told him i needed a pair apparently he ordered me like four or five and i paid for it and didn't realize it until i get the tickets and the receipt and i'm like oh i just paid like 500 dollars for oh <laughs> for, i'm in debt now yeah great <laughs> But uh, that was, uh, you know, I tell you, with the St. Anger stuff, that that is where those songs work to me, for me. As live. far as what? Oh, live? Live. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, those songs live are pretty intense. Because I find that I don't go back to the record that often. Every now and again, I do just to kind of revisit kind of their headspace then. But the live um, rehearsal. Live, live, that would have been the great record. Yeah, just the audio from that on a CD, yeah. that is a great heavy metal record. Yeah. Yep. And I think um Do you not like the record because or I shouldn't say not like it, but is it the snare drum, honestly? I mean, I don't love it, but I've I've heard worse drum sounds in the world, to be honest with you. Um I think it's mostly the fact that they skipped the part of the Metallica writing process that makes it so great. You know, they, you know, they really, you know, didn't fine tune these songs. It's like, okay, you don't need this riff repeating 10 times here. Right. You know, that, that part where Lars would sit down and arrange these and trim out the fat that didn't happen. Instead it's like, Hey, now we've got pro tools so we can, you know, record this once and then loop it 20 times throughout the song. <laughs> yeah. Why is dirty window eight minutes long? So unnecessary. That's, that's my biggest thing for it. I think had they spent a little more time trimming these songs down, I probably like it a little more. Fair enough. Too many counseling sessions with the sweater they had to get to. Phil, yeah. Phil told. <laughs> you didn't tell me it's Hawaiian day. What the fuck? <laughs> I think Phil thinks he's in the band. Yeah. <laughs> bone it <laughs> should we sack phil <laughs> that had to been ugh, what a tough i mean it's it's tense watching that a lot of times i couldn't even imagine being in the room with all that going down it's hard to watch as a fan but then you put yourself in their shoes it's like holy shit this might not this might not work out well yeah do you um do you do you remember on your end with I'm trying to think what the fan reaction to it was. If like there was like backlash, like, oh, what happened to Metallica? Oh yeah. I remember the day the record came out and it sold thirteen million copies or something crazy like that. And every single one of those people were probably like, I want my money back. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the day I bought the record, I had to put my shields up because all the shit I was getting from all my friends. That's right. 
<laughs> I was on the defense for months about that record, just hearing nothing but just shit talking. It's like, whoo, it's gonna be a long summer. You know, it's funny, and I remember, you know, the trues doing that when Load came out. <laughs> yeah, but I remember it too with Load, but Saint Anger was time ten. Right. I remember right. the first thing I ever heard about that album. I don't remember who I heard it from, but the very before I had even heard it, they said Metallica's got a new album out and it is their heaviest album they've ever put out to date. Because Yeah, drop tuning, dude. You know, people yeah, they hear that and there's a lot of fast drumming in it and whatnot. And you know, I I, I don't think it's their heaviest album to date, definitely not. I love the album, but right. it's not their heaviest. Yeah. But yeah. I remember thinking that, so I'm going into it with this mindset of like, all right, here comes the heaviest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. As Jason would say, about the heaviest number known to mankind. A big old fat <laughs> motherfucker called. That's right. <laughs> he said that last night. Yep. <laughs> and uh, about the heaviest number known to mankind, it's a big old fat motherfucker called the thing that should not be. His banter was great on that tour. I miss him. Yeah, yeah. I watched the show last night, and I think the same thing. As much as I love Robin Cliff, boy, I miss Jason's energy. Jason, still to this day, will always be my favorite bass player for Metallica. Mm-hmm. He just, he yep. fit the band. But then he fucking left the band. Fucking left the band. <laughs> he fucking left the band. Could you imagine if, you know, Jason the got the fair shake that Robert got, how different things would be? Uh, very different. I'm kind of surprised that after a little stint with Rob, they didn't go back and try and mend things with Jason. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I know they're, you know, they at least, you know, they're still business partners and all that, but. Well, yeah. And I'm sure the money that Jason collects weekly from the royalties from the black album alone, he's, he's doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Not a bad deposit. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, he's still involved, you know, when it comes to things, you know, revolving around the records he was on and all that stuff. I think he's got to be involved right now with his black album box that was put together. I was literally just about to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to be, I'm sure. I'm sure to. Yeah. Yeah. Now that would, that would be some interesting footage to see him flying out and working with them, putting that box set together. Kind of like, all right, here's a little like, reunion yeah. with jason you know and they show all of them working together like i i think it'd be super cool if they included something like that yeah oh yeah i am um, i mean yeah i'm curious how the, the how this the black album one is gonna you know what's gonna be in it because they've gotten progressively bigger <laughs> each time yeah i've got my box that's lined up and then we look at justice compared to kill a little bit thicker oh yeah and then just look at how long the black album tour cycle ran and all the shit that happened during that tour. And oh man, yeah. I'm ready for the Ross health and photo booklet to be about 900 pages. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Michael, how well do you know your Metallica trivia? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll give it a go for sure. I I'd say I'm, I'm on the fence, but I think I, I can hold my own for the most part. There's been some questions that past guests haven't known that you've known is what you're saying. A few, a few, but there's All some right. that, a few that I've missed. So, you know, we'll see where I land. You know, I I think he's ready to jump in the fire. Let's I, do it. I think he's more than ready to jump in the fire from Longview, Washington. How far is that from Seattle? About two and a half hours. So you're closer so, to Portland. Yeah, we're, we're, an, we're an hour from Portland. 
let's jump in the fire. Jeff, you want to take it away? All right. I'll take the first five. You take the, the second. That's how we roll. All Podcast right. for all. All righty. First question. Which song was cut to fit the time length for the Load album? The Outlaw Torn. I didn't even struggle. That was, I mean, I, you know, as I'm reading the question, you're already nodding your head like, yeah, I mean, come He's on. Like, just this... hurry up and get to the end of the sentence. Like, well, it's it's because I still chuckle when I when I think of the the uncut title, the unencumbered by manufacturing restrictions mix. Ooh, that's the bonus. Excellent <laughs> credit question right there. That's rare. Well, yeah, yeah. I do have a version of that when you listen to it. It's like, damn, there was another minute and 20 seconds to go on there. It's cool. I have heard that. And yes, it is. It's it's weird, but I like it because that jam can, that could be a 20 minute song. That could be like Freebird for all I care. <laughs> I mean, that's a great jam. That's a Grateful Dead oh, yeah. Dave Matthews jam tune. <laughs> That'd be the way to slide into an, slide into an encore. Yeah. Just come out and kind of exactly. start. Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah. That'd be a great, great way to do it. Good point. All right, question number two. How many music videos came from the Reload album? Ooh, okay. So you got Fuel, Memory, Unforgiven 2. Am I going to go... Is it just the three? Is that your final answer? I was just going to say that. Hey, Regis Philbin just died. I know. He that did. was so sad. I loved Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. No more no more going with my gut here. No, no more <laughs> Millionaire Regis. I was surprised. He was like 88, 89. He had a good yeah. run. He had a good run. Yeah, he did. Is that your final answer? Man, I'm... I'm... Mr. Metallica Michael, Billy Joel. <laughs> I'm gonna go yes because I don't. I can't think of what else. If ding. I have the track for me, ding, am ding, I right? Ding. You, yes. you're doing good, man. Hundred percent so far. All right, number three. What band was Jason involved with after leaving Metallica? Oh, um, Voivod. We should have specified the question. It should have been the one that he was involved with while oh, in Metallica, and what that the he, catalyst for things yeah, going down. Yes, Echo Brain. There we go. That's the question we were looking for. Give that for to the him. answer. I should yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, we'll give that to you. Cool. All right. Next question. What flying by? Yeah, he's got this. What band <laughs> did Metallica tour with on the Kill 'Em All for One tour? That would be Raven. Ding, ding, ding. Look at that, man. And you know, and you thought that you were going to be spotty on your Metallica trivia. You're just killing it. I like to lower expectations. I'd rather under-promise and over-deliver. Yeah, fair enough. I like that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, question number five. What year did Metallica first appear on the cover of Rolling Stone? On the cover, I'd have to say 1991. Look at that. He's still... Nice work, man. It's when the four of them are on the cover. On the cover of the Rolling Stone. Is that a Billy Joel song? No, it's not. I just felt like singing it. I just know it from Almost Famous. On Rolling Stone fucking magazine, man! (laughs) 
I have no idea what the two of you are talking about. It's from the movie Almost Famous. Oh, yeah. You ever seen it? I think so, but boy, I'm, I'll be the outsider here. It doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, the band, they finally make it to Rolling Stone magazine. They're all sitting at a table, and they start singing that song, Cover the Rolling Stone. Gotcha. Check it out. You are up, Shane. Oh, boy. Here we go. Six. Metallica has played the song Damage Case a few times. Who originally wrote it? Oh, shit. (laughs) Damage Case. Jeff gave you the easy ones. Yeah, he did. Damage Case. Yeah, they get progressively harder, but Mm -hmm. that's all right. I'm not pulling this one up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. You're not cheating. I can see you on Squadcast.fm. Your hands are free, man. Yep, hands free. Hand check. <laughs> Hand check. <laughs> hands above the table. Damage uh, yeah, case was... Any guess? Anything? Throw out a, no. Yeah, throw out a random guess. No, I'm not, I'm not getting it. <laughs> no. Damage case was written by Motorhead. Should have guessed it. Rest in peace, Lemmy. Absolutely. All right, number seven, Michael. Name one city where footage from Cliff Amal was recorded. Detroit. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's how the video starts off. That's right. Joe Louis Arena. So this is Detroit, huh? I, I remember about, when he says that. I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> All three of us are thinking of the same shit. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. This is Detroit, huh? <laughs> Bonus question, and I don't even have this written down. Name the three songs that they play from the Detroit footage. Who is the chance no. to redeem yourself? Extra credit. Whew. I just thought of that on the fly. Yeah, that's a good one. No, no, I don't got it. I think it goes creep, evil, and then damage. I'll buy it. I think. Uh, creep sounds right for sure. Yeah, that could be it. Whether it's in that order or not, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. those are the songs for sure. That sounds right. That sounds I think. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. That is the order. Yeah. And then in between one of the songs, you can hear someone going, "We want more metal militia. <laughs> metal <laughs> up your ass." <laughs> Good old camcorder footage. Clip them all. That's such a great DVD. It's hard to believe I saw them in that same venue. The that's where the Red Wings played. Yeah, yeah, Joe Lasarena. They played there on the uh, World Magnetic Tour. I saw one Red Wings hockey game there, and boy, that place was a dive. Oh yeah, oh yeah, horrible venue. I hated it. I've only seen a few shows there, but uh, never loved it. But such a classic like hockey arena. I mean, talk about history in there. Yep, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Detroit definitely has a lot of history. All right, uh, question eight, Michael. We're going to name that lyric line. Okay. Actually, eight, nine, and ten. We're going to close this out with three lyric lines. You ready? I'm ready. Hungry, violent seeker, feeding off the weaker, breeding on insanity. Oh, shit. Oh, my goodness. 
I can hear that, especially the last line of that in my head. Jeff and I had fun with this last week against each other, and holy cow, it's harder than we thought. Yeah, we, we realized that maybe we shouldn't pick such rare songs because we tried to challenge each other, and we both got stumped on a couple that we were like, okay. Well, yeah, you gave me Purify, dude. I gave you I gave you the other new song. The other new song. <laughs> uh, Vulture. <I'm> <laughs> yeah. The street name. Yeah, there you go. Hungry, violent seeker, feeding off the weaker, breeding on insanity. Ah, oh, shoot. Nope. I'm not, I'm not even getting close. Any song that's stuck in your head, that when you hear that, that's what you think of? You, you know, you, you have a one in a lot chance. <laughs> <laughs> Piano man. The piano man. It's Uptown Girl, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alexa. Yeah. Um, Good night, Brandon. Saigon. Good night, Saigon. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't start the fire. Come on. Not close. Jump in the fire. Good guess, fire? but it is battery. Oh, okay. See, it's so strange. Hearing off the wind, you got pretty not insanity. I hear that feel right after that. If I would have said it that way, you would have gotten it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hearing them spoken is a whole different ballgame for sure. Oh, yeah. That's tough. Number nine. This is a short one. Okay. Do my dirty work scapegoat. Sad but true. Nice. Ding, 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 ding. Do you want heavy? Do, do my work. Do my dirty work scapegoat. There you go. I miss when he used to say, this is the happy little tune entitled Sad but true. <laughs> yep, that one too. Uh, uh, he needs to go back to that for a little while. Do you want heavy actually started on the, uh, the load tour. That's right. Talica gives you heavy, baby. That's where Lars always stands up when they go back into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. You'll see it in the Cunning Sons video every time. He just, just <laughs> you want weight? I'm your fucking guy. That's right. Biggest weight forever. And I stand up too because it's a chance for me to pull the boxers out of my ass crack and cool off a bit. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh. It's all about cooling off your ass playing drums, dude. Even if you only get two seconds of it, that right there. You'd be amazed what I can do behind the drums in two to three <laughs> seconds to cool off my ass. <laughs> so so Shane, you go that era with Lars wardrobe? The Kelvin Klein boxers? He has yeah. he has pulled it <laughs> off before. No spandex? <laughs> No I've, I've worn almost everything he's ever worn on a stage, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, the Calvin Klein boxers are very nice to play in. Yeah, yeah. It's just when the drum riser is high and at eye level with the audience, you kind of got to be careful where people are looking. Oh, yeah. Luckily, oh, yeah. luckily, we haven't seen Shane pull out some, you know, circa 84 Lars. So, and no, no headband either. No. No headband, but before Jeff was in the band, I have pulled off the 84 spandex look. Nice. So it's been almost a decade since, so we're going to keep that rolling. (laughs) I might have to bring that back just so Jeff can check it out. That's right. Yeah, Shane, why do you stand up so much? Is it because of what Lars does? Well, yes, I play Lars to a T, but it's also to do with uh, 
cooling equipment. Cool. Gotta air it out a little bit. Little exactly. AC. All right, yes, yeah, but true. Number ten as we close out, jump in the fire. Hot and cold, bought and sold. A heart as hard as gold. King nothing. Dude. Nicely done, Michael. That was very good. That was well done. <laughs> That's not a thank you, thank you. big lyric from that. I mean, I shouldn't say big lyric, but. It's not like quite, a really. Uh, no. It's not, no the, it's not the hooky lyric of that tune. Yeah. So I think. Jeff, only, would you have gotten that? I would have had to think about it. I think I would have got that one, but I'm not going to lie. When you said battery, I had to, I mean, even though I could see it, I thought about it at myself. I'm like, you know, I can see how that one would be a weird one because mm-hmm. that that's kind of a weird beat as is and the way they say it. So just speaking it normally, it's like, uh, right. The cadence of how James delivers it is such a part of it. That oh, like, yeah. like you said, James, it's like, if you were to set it like that, it would have been like, oh yeah, battery for sure. Yeah. I think not the weaker, pretty not insanity. I think you only got one wrong. Hot and cold, bought and sold, the heart as hard as gold. I missed the Motorhead song, too, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that was the only one. Oh, oh and Battery, so too, yep. yep. Eight for ten, Michael, not bad, my friend. Bad. All I right, think, I'll take I think it. he's in the running. Oh, he's in the good running, 80%. That's a B-, minus. that's well above nice. my GPA in high school, bud. Same. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> Jeff, can you imagine if we got asked Billy Joel trivia? Yeah, no, I mean, I know we allow um, our guests to drive the show, but since we agreed to let him be, like, co-host, you know, I don't know if we, we can let him, we can't, we, can't, we can't let him quiz us now. All my answers would be, he's 70, the word piano, and New York. And the word man. And man. Right. That'd be about it. I think we'd be all for 10. You know, there's a Metallica Wayne Isham or Metallica Billy Joel connection there. Wayne Isham. Oh, the video guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He directed their uh, the big tour documentary and concert for uh, when Billy played Russia in '87. Oh, very cool. So uh, he he was the one. I don't know if this was one of the things that goes down in Billy Billy lore. He the as the presser reported it had a tantrum on stage about what so they're filming it for this documentary in this live show so the film crew lit up the audience this which, is in moscow yeah okay. so american crowds are kind of used to that when things are being filmed right russian crowds are used to being watched by the government Oh, yeah. So you put a bunch of cameras on them. They're going to get a little so nervous. Any, so anytime the lights came up on the audience, the audience froze. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. They just froze because they felt like they were being watched. That's interesting. Yeah. And so Billy was getting pissed, getting pissed, getting pissed. And and he didn't know that's the culture. Right. Right. So he's he's trying to get the lighting crew to, to kill the lights in the audience so he can get his show back so to speak so he's they're in the middle there's a song called sometimes a fantasy they're in the middle of the song billy's upstage on a on a old yamaha keyboard um so he's not the main grand piano in the middle of a verse he starts yelling into the mic to the lighting crew 
like he's like stop lighting the audience oh boy <laughs> and then he, what is he let me do my show for christ's sake like mid like he'll deliver a line in the verse and then the next breath he'll yell at the crew like middle of the tune middle of the tune gets to a break in the song for whom the bell tolls turn the fucking lights off time right. marches on yeah yep so he finally gets to a break in the song takes his keyboard flips it upside down oh that works out well billy wasn't fucking around no no storms downstage and meanwhile the band is looking at each other like what in the hell is going on right now they didn't realize what was what he was doing takes takes one of his mics smashes it on the end of the grand piano does it again until it snaps in half wow and then just continues on with the show like nothing happened so <laughs> word to the wise man yeah word to the wise if you play moscow don't film a dvd there that's right well, he was the first one to do it. Yeah, they've probably opened up since. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but back first, what year did you say that was? Mid eighties, eighty seven, eighty seven. It was the well, it was the first American act to do a full scale show. Yeah, like, oh, wow. Yeah, that. Yeah, you, you'd have to expect some kind of oddities to happen during that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just think, you, that's something you would never think about: house lights on a crowd, yeah, and a camera crew, and. Whoops, yep. never thought that never crossed my mind. What's weird yeah. is that they didn't because obviously they had to have known that they were going to a show where they were filming. I'm surprised that that wasn't right. brought to the crew's attention because obviously the people that live there and work there, I mean, you'd think that they would know their own culture, or at least I think they would. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think there was definitely some communication gap for sure. Oh, definitely. I don't think anyone knew how it was all going to go down. That's interesting. That's cool. But it goes down in history as now one of the most unique shows because of that. You know, they were told to be quiet during the concert and sit down and not interfere, not make noise, do anything, not to, you know, just, you know, not to take away from the artist performing or not to distract or do anything, but to be very polite and quiet. So, well, a rock show, pop show, like, you know, they get off on the audience. That's how you, that's how they have a good show. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's playing a song and they pan to the crowd, like in the first opening song of the night and they're just sitting there and he's like, Oh man, they hate us. It wasn't that they just didn't know. And then fast forward to 1991 and the military's beating people during harvester of sorrow. I know Ugh, that's insane. Little, little change in times there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he ended up loosening the crowd up. He decided to uh, jump in the crowd, into the crowd and run through the crowd a couple of times. And how'd that go? It went great. They chased him around. Wow. And by, by, the, by the time he got back to the stage, it was like the crowd was going crazy up at the front. It was insane. To sing all that mood and attitude change in a two-hour show. He's like, he's like, by the time the show was over, it was like I was playing in Detroit. Yeah, the Joe Lewis. That's right. See, with that, rats in the ceiling. You know, that's a cool story, Mike. I did not know that about him, and would have never, never guessed that happened during that time in Russia. Wow. Yeah, pretty wild. Pretty wild. You ever been to an island? Maui. Perfect. I mean, that's pretty isolated. Could we imagine that you were the right when the pandemic hit? Ooh! Oh, wow. Mid March. <laughs> Good vacation timing. Yeah, no you could have still been there. <laughs> Seriously, because we left, we were, 
you know, things were starting, a couple states were starting to pop up with stuff and we're like, oh, well, things are okay still here and in Hawaii. Well, you know, we booked the trip, let's go. And no sooner did we touch down, did like everything start to go crazy here in this, you know, lower 48. And, you know, they're talking about shutting the island down and airports. And we're, we ended up cutting our trip like a day or two short just because we don't want to get stranded. Yeah, smart move. Well, let's let's just assume for a second that the whole island got shut down completely. You did get stranded and you were the only person on that island. That's a good question. Well, it's it's, it's more of a scenario because. And Wilson Sporting Goods paid for your entire COVID-19 <laughs> confinement to your Weston hotel hotel room but while in that hotel room with no one else around the only person you have to talk to is your buddy wilson okay and you only have five metallica songs to choose from that you have to listen to on that island with wilson for the rest of your life not the rest of covid the rest of your life yeah no no this is this is we're stranded we're talking lifer here this is it. This is yeah. it. Hmm. Five songs, and that's all you get for the rest of your life, buddy. I think I'm going to start with Creeping Death. Ooh. Starting off heavy, right out the gate. I like it. Yep, yep. Now, granted, this is in no particular order. Yep, no, it doesn't have to be what's your favorite to what's your least favorite. Just whatever comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you see yourself listening to at 90 years old on repeat. <laughs> I'm also going to go with Hero of the Day. Oh, wow. That's a first. That is the first. Yep. Love that song. I like it. I love hearing songs that nobody has picked. This is great. (laughs) And then I think I'm going to also do Master Classic. Yep. We got to have the classics in there. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a reason why it got voted. Yep. Nine minutes long. I was just going to say it's just under nine minutes. So we got some length there. And there's a reason it got voted, you know greatest song of yeah. all time by them that's true that's no accident and then i'm gonna probably go blackened nice keeping it heavy i like it F- favorite off of justice he just knows that's my favorite song jeff so we're that's really what this is about we're buds oh i see what's happening here you're trying to get in chains good graces so you can kick me off my show i see okay <laughs> it's a drummer thing jeff <laughs> you're out i'm taking the piano man it's going to be a mixture. Of, it's going to be Billy Talica from now on. That's right. <laughs> Creep hero puppets blackened. One more, man. I'm going to go into reload territory. Ooh. Unforgiven 2. I like it. I like it too. That's my favorite out of the three. Yep. It's always been my favorite. And for the first time in many weeks, we do not have Outlaw. An Outlaw Torn. Yeah. Very interesting. That's in the top 10. I'll, I'll say that. But yeah, it didn't make the top five. So so just by asking, just for argument's sake, let's say Wilson gets his own song. Uh, we're going we're gonna to move it off of Metallica for one second. And since you are such a big Billy Joel fan, what would be, now you get one Billy Joel song. So what would be that one song that you're going to pick for your good buddy Wilson? Purify. <laughs> he said, I'm going to pick Piano Man because it's the most popular song ever. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. That's like picking Enter Sandman. Right, exactly. You watch, he's going to say a title, I'm going to be like, uh, <laughs> never, what? 
it's probably is going to be that situation. Good. Um, It'll make me listen and check it out. Probably at this very moment, I'm going to go with summer Highland falls from a live album oh. called songs in the attic. Oh, yep. I know that album. I'm not super familiar with the song, but I definitely, I can picture that album cover. And it's short and sweet. It's only a three minute song, but it's, it's one of my favorites from the seventies. Hey man, sometimes the short songs are better. I mean, my favorite Beatles song of all time is mean Mr. Mustard. And that song is like a minute and 10 seconds long. Oh, that's a great tune. Yeah. Summer Highland falls is what it's called. Yep. And nowhere in the, nowhere in the song does he say that, but it just happens to be, there it is. Nice. This is Wilson's song. I love it. Michael's ear drumming. This is how I learned to play drums with some of these records. Very cool, man. First time I've ever held the phone up to the mic because I just, <laughs> I had to hear it now. I couldn't wait to do it later in the edit. That's awesome. So the story with this live album, he, you know, he released let's see one, two, like four albums before he found his band that he played with for like a decade or more. And he was never happy about that with how any of them came out. It was all session guys, you know, random producers and all this stuff. He just never liked it. And once he got this band that he played with for the bulk of his career, he loved what they did with the old material so much that they, that they did this live record, which was 11 deep cuts but with the new band because he thought that that's how the song should have been. And that was, yeah. Sure. Very cool. Yeah. All right, Jeff, Billy Joel tribute band. We got this. Who's going to be the pianist? <laughs> um, Let's see. Well, I mean, Pizzle's got that case that he could fit a piano in. So I think we'll have, we'll yeah. hire him. I thought you were going to say me from all the piano riffs you've heard me play in hotel lobbies. You can. Oh, they, Shane can play some piano. He plays a lot of Hero of the Day and Injustice for All <laughs> on the piano, and he does it to a T. See, to to do it right, though, you got to have the right front man. Gotta oh, got to be tough to find. Yeah, you got to have, have a front man with a lot of charisma. Yeah. Well, I, they, you know, that reminds me the first time I – we got hip to you guys years ago, years ago when, uh, who's, who's, who's your James, Chris, which is name? Chris. First time I saw him and heard him, I was like, Holy shit. You've seen this Michael. Oh yeah. I've never had a chance to see you live, but I've seen, you know, videos online. And whatnot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Several over the years. And I remember the first time, you know, you know, you guys do it so authentically and then to have Chris do James so well. Right. It's frightening. It's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. The Thank way, you. the way he looks and sounds sometimes it even scares us a little bit. It's like in a mirror, literally. But that's why, you know, because he's left-handed, that's why we call him James. Right. Yeah. If you still lived in Michigan, I'd guarantee you'd probably see us because we've played every square inch of that state, I think. Yeah. We've uh, played a lot in Michigan. And you know what? If this, you know, pandemic ever comes to an end hopefully we'll be able to get back out and get on tour and we'll make our way over to where you're at longview washington obviously we played in portland so i mean you're what you said an hour away yeah i can only go up from the portland gig yeah i'm talking about a fucking live gig 
can a show go higher than number one? <laughs> yeah, man, that'd be great. That'd be great. See, I, I'd wanted to do that thing with Billy because I'm I'm a drummer myself, and I uh, had thought for years about putting together a thing doing the Billy stuff, but I just could never find a guy who could convincingly do the Billy part. That'd be tough. I'll play yeah. piano, but it'll only be Anesthesia, Cthulhu, Sanitarium, One, Justice. What else have you heard me play, Jeff? Day. Um, did you already say Hero? Hero. Hero I can play. Yeah. Yep. Sleep. Sleeps. Yep. Bell. I remember that morning you came down to the hotel lobby and I was playing Pulling Teeth. You're like, what in the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I walked downstairs. <laughs> dude, a little hidden talent you didn't know about. <laughs> I walked downstairs <laughs> to get breakfast and chains up and I hear Metallica from the distance on the piano. I don't know. He's down there yet. And I'm like, what the hell? I walk over there. He just said, he's like, what's up dude. And then he just starts playing all these songs. I'm like, holy shit. I had no freaking clue. This was, Classics. this was years ago. And then now every time since whenever there's a piano around, I mean, anytime, whether it's a hotel or we see one at the venue, it's like, all right, hold on. Standby. <laughs> Large awesome. two piano man. Pulling teeth. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of anesthesia, did either of you guys make it to SM2? Shane did. I did. Did you? I made it to night two myself. Unbelievable. Speaking of anesthesia, that, that was the highlight of the show for me. That was incredible. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's not... just a bunch of bass playing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many moments, Michael, where I get goosebumps or something brings me back to 30 years yeah. ago, but that. That was one of them where I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a highlight. It was something I didn't expect at all, at all. And he did it so well. And it was just such a genuine tribute to Cliff. And it sounded so good. And it had the energy that Cliff had. It's, it, it still pulled that out for some insane. It, it was, I, I didn't expect it. It just blew me away. When you see grown men around you crying. That's pretty powerful. It is. Yeah. I can't tell you who our guest is going to be in a couple of weeks, but it has something to do with SM2. So stay tuned. It's going to be fun. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. We're, we're getting there. We're looking forward to it. Very cool. Working out schedules and whatnot, making sure we can do this properly. Speaking of schedules, Jeff, uh, Michael reached out to us two or three months ago and. Boy, we've been go, go, go and trying to get him in. He's been more than patient. He reached out, emailed and podcast for all at gmail.com. And Michael, we finally made it happen. Thank you. Absolutely. No, thanks so much for having me. And I can definitely understand that. It's uh, it's hectic uh, trying to schedule things, especially you know, with the two of you, you know, not being in the same room. My co-host is on the other side of the country. So we've never actually even met face to face. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, between schedules and uh, two different locations, and most of the listeners are going to learn right now, we usually record at midnight or one in the morning, so trying to line this up with guests is tricky, but yeah, thanks for being patient. Thanks for reaching out. And Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. It's been a great episode, man. A lot Anytime of great you want a Billy Joel fan to come on your show that knows nothing about him, give give us a call. That would be great. We'll be there, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll brush up and just have fun with it. Well, see, that's the thing. Our podcast is for something that people who know nothing about Billy or people who know everything about Billy, all is welcome. I'll just so. make sure that I have like my Billy wiki notes going 
There you so go. So then I can keep up on what's going on. I'll do a little research beforehand. Did you know he tried to film a DVD in Russia in the 80s? He's going to be like, that's right. yeah, we talked about that on your show. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, I tell you, with Liberty's book that just came out, part of it, he wrote about every song that they ever recorded. Oh, wow. Wow. That, uh, Some memories of the studio or the song. And to be able to keep track of all of that. That'll give you 50 episodes for your podcast easily. Yeah, it's insane. I I learned so much just by reading it that it's, you know, he, he went through pretty much the entire career of, I mean, he was with Billy for 30 years. So, so yeah, he's seen and done it all with him. Yeah. When, when they started playing together, they were playing clubs and colleges and rental cars and motel sixes. And, you know, by the time he was done playing with Billy, they were playing stadiums. Yeah impressive pretty wild well there you have it folks the uh metallica fanatic slash piano man podcast host mr michael grovner from longview washington it's been fun michael yeah fellas thanks so much it's been a lot of fun thanks again michael we appreciate it man let's do it again and uh we'll see you soon man take care all right take care bye
Yeah. 